Welcome to Pre-Arb Excellence, a bottoms-up Cubs podcast, in tune with the team's pipeline. Whether minor league results and development, the draft, international signings, or anything else that helps lead to Pre-Arb Excellence, I'm there for it. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode, a primer on the five-minute rule, which focuses on something I've come up with that pre-assesses trades or other roster transactions. If you have any questions about this episode, ask me through the app at Tim815 on Twitter or at Pre-Arb Excellence on Facebook. I'm about excellence, and if I can educate someone on the minutiae of Major League Baseball today, I've done something right. The five-minute rule is something that I've come to quite enjoy. Many people, when they talk about a trade, whether the trade is good or bad, they like to wait. Wait three years, wait five years, wait six years, wait until all the results are in, and then say, this was a good trade, this was a bad trade, based on as if the players would have done exactly what they did if they had stayed on the prior team. For instance, way, 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 way back when, in 1964, the Cubs had an outfielder that wasn't doing anything for them. He just wasn't. He'd plateaued. He'd reached a point in his development where he wasn't getting better. He probably wasn't going to be getting any better. And very possibly, there were some really embarrassing reasons for why he wasn't going to get any better. So they traded him. Traded him and a couple other people. Got a pitcher in return. As it happens, the pitcher had a bum arm. I don't know if there were physicals back then or how how tightly monitored the physicals were, but if Ernie Brolio had received a contemporary physical before the trade was announced, the Cubs might not have made the trade. Or they might have because Lou Brock was dead to them. Lou Brock with the Cubs, wasn't taught how to play baseball very well. The coaches weren't very good, and some of the, some of the coaches, some of the executives, especially some of the executives, didn't really want him to do very well. It had to do with skin color, which is a dumb reason to decide you don't want one of your players to do very well, but... Right field is really difficult to play in Wrigley Field, and nobody really taught him how to deal with playing right field in Wrigley. So the Cubs ended up trading Brock, and Brock gets to St. Louis, and they say, instead of trying to hit a home run every time, what you ought to do is hit ground balls. Make the shortstop pick up the ball and field it and throw to first. You can outrun the ball into hitting almost 300 which is exactly what he did, which is exactly what the Cubs were never, ever, ever going to tell him to do. Now, I'm not going to say that 
the Cubs made a good trade, specifically. But if you have a player who is dead to you, he's not getting better. He's not going to do better. He's not going to improve. You might as well trade him if there's, an, if there's a market for him. The Baltimore Orioles had a pitcher once upon a time who struggled. He was, for whatever reason, not functioning well in his time with the Orioles. And the Orioles ended up trading him. The player was frustrated with being in Baltimore. There were some things that the coaches were telling him that was taking all the fun out of the game. He was contemplating retirement. So the Orioles traded the starting pitcher and a relief pitcher and a little other stuff and got a short-term starting pitcher in return. That ended up being the Jake Arrieta, Jake Pedro Strope trade. Arietta was dead to the Orioles. He wasn't going to get good. Traded to the Cubs, he was told different things by different people, and suddenly he was a good pitcher. When you look at a trade immediately, you immediately assess how you think the incoming players are going to do for their new team because you have all the information that you're ever going to have on what had been going on. Having an immediate assessment of what you think the next play these players are going to do in their new locales, that is your information. The five-minute rule also carries over to, for instance, a draft. If you're looking at a draft board and you see the Cubs can select John Gray or Chris Bryant, if you're paying any attention to what's going on, you should have a preference. Do you want the Cubs to draft John Gray or Chris Bryant? Back in 2013, it was pretty much one-sided. 70 to 30, I'd say, of all the people who are commenting on Twitter. At least 70% of the people wanted the Cubs to draft John Gray. Not Chris Bryant. They wanted John Gray many of the times because we want an ace. John Gray wasn't an ace, but the fans were putting into a buttonhole that he wasn't. They wanted an ace, so because they wanted an ace, they wanted Chris Bryant. Also, the fans hadn't done their homework. They hadn't watched Chris Bryant play a game. They hadn't listened to Chris Bryant play a game. The best way to understand what a player might eventually be is to watch a game, is to listen to a game, is to, an, is to attend a game. Once you start to understand what a player is like, what a player is made of, when you look at his numbers, when you take five minutes or more if you're really into geeking out like that, if you take five minutes 
and assess what you think the trade will create, what you think the roster move ought to be. If you do the homework and you come up with what you think, you might be right or you might be wrong, but you're holding yourself to, this is my current flash snap opinion. And if you're wrong in the future, admit, I thought it was going to go the other way. I thought it was going to work differently, but I did the homework and I was wrong. I've tried to learn from that. Instead of waiting until everything happens and assume that Lou Brock would have gotten better with the Cubs, which he wouldn't have. Jake Arrieta would have done better with the Orioles, which he wouldn't have. Make up your mind immediately and try to decide what you think is going to happen. After the break, I'm going to come back and talk about three very current Cubs trades and how I did use the five-minute rule to project what was, in my opinion, going to happen after the trades happened. I hope you're enjoying my pre-herb excellence Cubs podcast as much as I am bringing them to you. There are two ways you can help extend the reach of the podcast. Share the link with a like-minded friend. I check every day to see how many followers I have, and when the numbers go up, I'm happy. Secondly, Anchor allows sponsorships for podcasts. If you're interested in helping out in that fashion, thanks for considering it. Last year, about this time, the Cubs made a trade. It was a small trade. It was an incidental trade. But I rather quickly ran the five-minute rule to decide whether I thought the trade was good for the Cubs, bad for the Cubs, good for the opposition, bad for the opposition, whatever, whichever. Last offseason, Kansas City loaded up on a whole bunch of outfielders. Billy Hamilton was one of them. I can't even remember who all the outfielders were, but Kansas City was in a rebuild, and they had a whole bunch of outfielders in there with their parent club, probably going to AAA, which meant some of their guys would have to go down to AA. They were loaded in the outfield, and the Cubs weren't. The Cubs have had a problem in AA and AAA having quality outfielders because they haven't been drafting quality outfielders, haven't been dra drafting very many outfielders at all. So the Cubs ended up trading a pitcher, Stephen Writings. He's one of these guys who throws 97, 98. He's a bit like Dylan Maples, except he has less command and a, and a weaker slider. In exchange, the Cubs got Donnie DeWeese. DeWeese had formerly been a Cubs draft pick and penciled in quite well, either at the Tennessee or Iowa level, for the 2019 Cubs. Writings had never played a single game in advanced A ball, or in full season ball, despite having played two full seasons of minor league baseball. Two times he'd been left entirely in extended spring training. Two seasons he'd been left entirely in spring extended spring training, not playing with South Bend at all. 
And the Cubs traded Writings, who'd never played a game of full season ball, for Donnie Deweese, who was already in double-A, triple-A, and the team thought highly of him, and there's discussion that perhaps he might end up being an outfield coach, kind of like Doug Desenzo is now, when his career ends. I don't know. That might be garbage, but I've heard it from people that I, from, from a person that I trust well enough to think there's probably some legs to that. So the question was, you get a kid out, uh, two players about the same age. One of them has reached double A, triple A. The other has never played a single game of advanced, of full season ball. Which sounds better, which sounds like a better pull to you? Seemed rather easy to me. I thought the Cubs did quite well in the trade because they acquired a guy who's already in double A AA or triple A and gave up a guy who had never played a game in full season ball. I don't know what writings did last year, but the last time I had checked, he still hadn't pitched a game in full season ball. And Donnie Deweese played rather regularly for the Iowa Cubs AAA division winning squad last season. I'd say on a small turn level, that's a pretty good pull for the Cubs, giving up a guy who's never gotten out of full uh, gotten to full season ball for a guy who's going to contribute to a triple A championship team for you. That seems a fairly good trade. Last June, shortly after the draft, the Cubs decided to add Craig Kimbrell. Three-year deal, you probably know what the numbers are as far as how much he received. I don't I really don't mind if a guy gets a decent contract. My question is, is he going to do well? And will the team lose anything because of adding him? When the Cubs added Kimbrell, there was enough good and enough bad, both recently enough, that I really didn't know what I thought he was going to do. My comment, my five-minute rule on the signing Craig Kimbrell for the contract he received was I'm certainly glad they didn't do it three weeks ago because then they would have lost three players. What? You ask? What three players would the Cubs have lost for signing Craig Kimbrell? Well, they would have lost their second round draft pick who ended up being Chase Strumpf. I'm looking forward to listening to and watching Strumpf play this season in either South Bend or Myrtle Beach, possibly both. They also would have lost $500,000 in international signing bonuses and probably would have lost both. No, actually, they would have lost a million. So they probably would have lost both shortstop Kevin Made and catcher Brian Altuve. They would have lost three players if they would have signed Craig Kimbrell about three weeks earlier. My comment when I heard the Cubs had signed Craig Kimbrell, I'm glad they didn't sign him any earlier because I value the entire careers of Kevin Made, Brian Altuve, and Chase Strumpf more than I value a game in May in 2019. 
Some people were saying, oh, the Cubs absolutely have to sign Kimbrell. Some people were saying, oh, that's terrible that they're going to give him that much money. I was saying, I'm glad they waited. I'm not going to change my opinion. I had no idea how, I had no confidence that he was going to be really good or really bad. Some people had a lot of confidence. Of course, the people that say they had a lot of confidence are really quiet right now. Or some of them have changed their tune and said, oh, no, 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 I was opposing the move the, move the, the entire time. My opinion hasn't changed. I was pretty much on record. I was happy they didn't sign him any earlier, so they had to get, give up talent. Late in July, I was sitting by the radio as the trade deadline approached. And it came across the wires that the Cubs had acquired Nick Castellanos. Nicholas Castellanos. He did very well with the Cubs in 2019. He almost salvaged the season. He didn't, but he almost did. When I heard the Cubs had acquired Castellanos, I was happy. Tentatively. Tentatively, because I knew they were going to give up something to get him. Whether I was going to like the Castellanos trade was going to depend entirely on what the Cubs gave up. The next couple minutes were a bit pensive. I waited. Who did they give up? Who did they give up? Finally, it came across the wires. Pitcher Alex Lang and pitcher Paul Richin. When I heard Alex Lang was included, I have nothing against Alex Lang at all. He's a hard worker, pitched quite well in the SEC. I didn't dislike his name being called when he was on the board for the Cubs. He hadn't developed yet. It could happen. I wasn't terribly upset that Alex Lang was going away. I had gotten to the point where I really didn't think he was going to contribute much as a Cub. He might with Detroit. I was okay with that. Then they mentioned Paul Richin, and I hated the Nicholas Castellanos trade. Absolutely hated it. Paul Richin is a pitcher you're probably not familiar with. 2019 saw him in his first full professional season. He was assigned to Myrtle Beach, advanced day. And the 2019 Myrtle Beach team started out terribly. They were god-awful. They lost far more games than they won. I think they had about as bad of a full season record as anyone did in all of affiliated minor league baseball that first half season. They were a bad team. They didn't hit that the Cubs refused to draft any important bats in the draft in 2016 or 2017 had completely come home to roost. They had nobody that was hitting well in Myrtle Beach. The team was rather terrible, except 
when Paul Richin pitched. When Richin pitched, Myrtle Beach managed to win. Now, I know some of you are out there saying, wins don't matter, wins don't matter, and to an extent they don't. However, if a team is really bad with four or five guys starting, but with the other guys starting, they're a well over 500 team. I'll look it up after, but I think Richin was probably about eight and three with Myrtle Beach. Now, if you're starting for a really bad team and the team still manages to go eight and three, I don't care what you're doing. You can have people banging on garbage can lids. You're doing well if you're eight and three for a team that's as bad as anyone in the league. I don't care how you're doing it. It can be thought control. It can be whatever. Paul Richin pitched very well for Myrtle Beach. To get Nick Castellanos a rental, the Cubs surrendered Paul Richin. It didn't take me five seconds to do my five minutes worth of homework on Paul Richin. I knew what he'd been doing. I hadn't listened to a whole bunch of Myrtle Beach games because they were distressing listening to the team lose so often. But when Richin pitched, Myrtle Beach was a good team. I didn't like the trade. Castellanos performed very well. My only PS on the trade as far as results was if the Cubs would get to Game 5 of the Division Series, I'd adjust my thoughts. I'd still admit what I had initially thought, but I would say that, wow, Castellanos really helped the team. They played really well. If they got to Game 4 or Game 5 of the League Division Series, the first round, I'd adjust my thoughts a bit. The Cubs entirely missed the playoffs with Castellanos, who was a rental, and signed with the Reds. I don't like that trade. It wouldn't have mattered what happened. I initially didn't like the trade. I've gone through three trades from the recent Cubs past. One of them, I like the trade with the five-minute rule. One of them, I hated the trade with the five-minute rule. And one of them, I completely hedged. The five-minute rule requires you to do homework. If you're listening to this podcast, I trust you to do your homework because you actually care about the pipeline. If you care about the pipeline, if you care about the future, you're not one of these flippant fans who are um, totally buying into this year being everything and misusing the term all in. The Cubs are going to have a team in 2023, 2025. They would be best served having a good squad in those years as they would be having a good team in 2021 or 2020. But the people who are completely pot committed to 2020 and 2021 
as opposed to caring at all about 2022, 2023 through 2025, those people aren't going to, the people that are pot committed to 2020 and 2021 have no time for pre-arb excellence because they don't understand that they don't understand that the future exists. The future will eventually be the present. Since you're listening to this, and I appreciate it immensely, you have opinions that I value. You can think for yourself. You want to think for yourself. You do think for yourself. When the Cubs make a trade, maybe in late March, the Cubs will decide that they want to go a different direction and they trade off a Dwayne Underwood or a Dylan Maples. They decide that they need a 40-man roster spot and they perhaps they put one of those two onto the DFA wire and trade them for an outfielder that the Cubs can use in Tennessee this year as a starter. When those kind of trades happen, I hope you don't go with a, oh, who's he? Do the research. Do the research on the player the Cubs are surrendering. Do the research on the players, player or players that the Cubs are acquiring. Do the research. Where did they go to school? What round were they drafted? How well did they do in college? How well have they done in their minor league pipeline? How old are they against the league age level? Come up with something in your own mind. How well do you think they are going to do? And make up your own mind. Go through the five-minute rule. Take the five minutes. Take the half hour and decide how you think the players involved in trade are going to do. As you get your mind more attuned to what is going to happen in the future and base it more on numbers, on facts, and less on emotions, then you'll be better at predicting. Thanks for stopping by Pre-Arb Excellence. It means quite a bit to me that you chose to press play or click subscribe. My goal is to be a go-to source for Cubs pipeline development, and questions are welcomed, either through the podcast on or either through the podcast or on Twitter at Tim815. Next time I'll have another episode and hopefully consider and I'll have another episode that you hopefully consider worth your time. Until then, enjoy. And be nice to people.